Welcome to the Up Your Glow podcast with your hosts, Susie and Andy. Each week, we'll break down your frequently asked questions to inform you and enlighten you about all things women's health and wellness so that you can feel more empowered about making health decisions and feel more informed about how your body works for the things that no one's ever told you. I think you know everything. I promise I don't. (laughs) My heart goes out to anybody who's just scared right now or feeling overwhelmed. I'm also feeling very overwhelmed. Most women, I feel like, don't even make it past like two to six weeks. And like now you're going to say two years. Welcome back, everyone, to the Up Your Glow podcast. I am your host, Susie, and I'm here with Andy, good to hear, see everybody again. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. I think this is episode number four for us, which is exciting. It is. We hope you're we listening. Have lots to talk about today, that is for sure. Yeah, so today is June 30th and a lot has been going on in our world since we last recorded like a week ago. So we're going to get into all the things today. I feel like June has been busy. Also, it's the last day of June. When did that happen? (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. But how are you doing? Well, I'm okay. I'm a little tired today. So if my words are coming out a little jumbled, that's why my daughter, my youngest, did not sleep very well last night. So usually I manage it all on my own, but I even called in reinforcements. I called Ben in to help me out last night. So it was not our best night. Oh, I'm sorry. It happens. How about you? How are you doing today? I'm also really tired. I've been having trouble falling asleep. I didn't take the glow down the past two nights. And I think that's why. So definitely going to be taking her tonight. Make sure you pack it for your weekend. I know. I do. I think I'll be in the office tomorrow and I'm going to make sure to grab some of our sample packs of it. So Mm. if you're listening, we actually have sample packs of our glow down and inositol. And we need to get more to all of you because it's so easy for traveling. It's just so nice to throw some in your bag. And I feel like oftentimes, especially with those two, that's when you want it the most. Exactly. You know, when you're on the go, on the run, out of your normal routine, and it just helps keep you a little consistent. So true. Well, today we have a jam-packed episode. We are going to dive into some of the recent events that are happening here in the U.S. that are impacting women's reproductive health and access to care. And then we're also going to cover the American Academy of Pediatrics new feeding guidelines, which clearly they were not reading the room of what just happened. Andy and I have a lot of feelings about that update. Oh, so many feelings. We're going to get into it. It'll be fun. And first, we're going to start with a medical jargon of the day. Yes, this is a good one. Medical jargon of the day. We're going to review how we do what we call in OB land, G's and P's, which stands for gravida and para, para. Some people say it different ways. Gravida is the total number of pregnancies that a person has had. And then para gets further broken down into describing more about those pregnancies. So there's kind of four numbers that follow the P and that abbreviation is T-PAL, T standing for full term, P preterm, A abortion, which encompasses miscarriage as well. 
and L living children. It took me a minute to think about my own G's and P's because I've done it for other people, but I've never done my own, of course. So I figured that mine is G3P3003. So that's my G's and P's. Very good. I know we had to quickly think about this before hopping on to record, which was kind of funny. My G's and P's are I've had three pregnancies, one term, zero preterm. I've had two abortion and abortion is a medical term that stands for aborted pregnancy, whether it was planned, elective or not elective, meaning miscarriage. And then I have one living. So, so G, G's and P's. three, yeah. P, one, zero, two, one. I think Did so. I right? Yeah. Nice. Woohoo. So have fun. You can do your own. You can just Google it. If you couldn't follow along with anything we just said, but it is kind of fun to do your own. And we use this in your chart at the hospital when you're on the L&D floor and in women's Mm -hmm. health practices in general, which is kind of cool. So now you know what your doctor, midwife, PA, and P nurse are talking about when they say G's and P's. Yep. Mind those G's and P's. It's important stuff. And now we're going to go inside the vitamin aisle and it's summer. As Andy said, it's June 30th. Can't believe July is tomorrow. So we're going to talk about sunscreen because why not? Well, we all know sunscreen is very important. Yes. So I actually went to the pediatricians yesterday for Pierce's four-month doctor's appointment. And I asked, can I just put sunscreen on him already? I do not understand this. They say not to put sunscreen on your child until they are six months of age, yet we use 30% zinc oxide as butt paste in the NICU on babies that are day zero, one, two, three of life. So literally made no sense to me. And my amazing pediatrician said, yeah, no, you can absolutely put sunscreen on as long as the active ingredient is zinc. Right. Because we love zinc. Mm -hmm. And why do we love zinc? Well, zinc is great for a lot of reasons, but When we're talking about sunscreen, zinc is going to be a reflective barrier to UVA and UVB rays. So that's how it really works as a sunscreen. So when we lather it all over our bodies, it's really just bouncing all of those rays back off of our bodies and protecting our skin, which is the largest organ of our body from bad damage, which is really great. It also is really environmentally friendly. So for those of us who are environmentally conscious and making sure to take care of our ecosystems. Zinc is going to be really safe for the environment, which is also important because some of the other chemical sunscreens can cause damage to ocean reefs and things in our environment. So we want to be cautious and careful with that. You're always such a wealth of knowledge. I love it. I try to like look into all of the things, right? I don't know everything, but I try to depart the knowledge that I do know. I think you know everything. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I promise I don't. And he knows everything. So just follow her. Zinc is amazing. Make sure to turn over the label before you purchase a sunscreen and look at the active ingredient list. Mm-hmm. I know we've covered supplement fact panels in another Inside the Vitamin Aisle on the podcast, but really make sure to turn that sunscreen bottle over or tube, whatever it is, and look at the active ingredient list and make sure it has zinc. It'll usually be zinc oxide. And that is what you want to look for. You don't want to see any other chemical names 
in there. And then you know it is safe to put on baby skin and your skin. The other thing too, because like any topical agent, right? Some people have more sensitive skin. The other kind of good advice that oftentimes I hear is to just like do a little test patch. If there's going to be something that's irritating, this goes for really anyone, child, adult, infant, anybody. It's always good to kind of like test not a sensitive patch of your skin. I usually like kind of like around the ankle because your skin's not super rough there. So if you're going to be sensitive to something, it probably will be noticeable there, but also it's like a safe location. So it's not going to be like on your face, right? Yeah. Where everybody's going to see or something. So you can always do like a little test patch and like give it a few minutes, like 30 minutes or so to see if any kind of reactions come out. And if you don't see anything, then lather on up. Yeah. One of the great brands that we love for baby is Think Baby. Also, if you are just at the normal drugstore, you can pick up any of like the CeraVe or Cetaphil brands. They mm-hmm. have zinc oxide ones that are also good for sensitive skin. I do know a lot of people have reactions to the Baby Ganics brand. So just be careful. And that's where what Andy mentioned is yeah. so important. Make sure to just test first before you slather this on your face. Yeah. I always go to by like, what's on sale? Now that I have three kids, the amount of sunscreen we go through in my house is like I know it is crazy. And they say we love a few skin professionals on Mm -hmm. the gram. And a great thing to do is take your three middle fingers and for your face, you can squeeze out the tube and make sure you cover the full finger. And that is the amount of sunscreen that you should be putting on your face, which is more than probably most of you would think, but make sure to use a normal SPF, not just SPF and makeup this time of year. Use a hat, sun coverage, get your skin checks, see Mm -hmm. the dermatologist, get in there. We love our derm partners. They're so important. We do. Maybe we'll have to start like a Bento skin line one day. TBD. (laughs) Anyway, that's your skin tips for the summer from team Susie and Andy. (laughs) Yay. It was fun to cover some actually like light topics before we dive into our let's talk segment. But now we're going to go into let's talk. We are going to cover the overturning of Roe v. Wade and what that means for reproductive health care in general. And I don't think we're going to get too political. We're just going to talk about what this means in terms of reproductive health care, access to care, because we know so many of you are listening in from all parts of the country. And we want to make sure that you are able to get the care you need and hopefully cover some of those questions that you have and decode this. The other thing that we're going to get into is the American Academy of Pediatrics new guidelines. So Andy, do you want to jump in first? I feel like you've done such a good job of following what's happened. Yeah. First, my heart goes out to anybody who's just scared right now or feeling overwhelmed. I just want to share your sentiments. I'm also feeling very overwhelmed as somebody who identifies as a woman, as somebody who has had multiple pregnancies, as somebody who works in this type of world in reproductive health. The world feels a little heavy to me right now. And as a parent, really, because it's one thing to think about it through my lens, but I really think about what the ramifications are going to be for the life that we're creating and fostering for my kids, both my son and my two daughters. Just there with you guys and all the feels. I'll start with that. Also, for people who may not know, 
I previously worked at Planned Parenthood as a provider. So I have a lot of background in working with women there who were receiving abortion care for a variety of reasons. And a lot of my work there was in helping to prevent unwanted pregnancies, which is why I love birth control and know a lot, a lot about birth control because that's one of the great tools that we have to help prevent unwanted pregnancies. And then of course, like Susie kind of alluded to, I worked in a fertility office. So another place that we see abortion care playing a really important role. And like Susie already mentioned, another important thing that I want to be really clear with in medicine when we talk about abortion, when we say abortion, it encompasses a very large picture of what people may be dealing with, whether it is a situation where people's lives are in danger, whether it is something that is more of a elective or choice, like some people may say, but there is a whole gambit. Abortion is just a termination of a pregnancy, whether that termination has started naturally on its own or not. So just important, I think, to kind of get that out because sometimes there's confusion around some of the terms that we may use. Absolutely. It's helpful to just break it down from a medical professional. And when we're on the outside of a health system, we don't always hear that. And when we hear the word abortion, we think just elective, someone trying to end a pregnancy that's quote, not wanted. It's important to get the facts and understand that. That's all. It's good to clarify. Anyway, there's a lot of pictures of what that looks like for people out there. So I think that there's like a few interesting things that have come to light for me recently, I guess, from my perspective, with all of that background that I just kind of outlined. I think one is ultimately, I just feel really strongly that this is like medical management and medical decision-making that really belongs at the hands of the person who has to make that choice for themselves, the medical team that's involved, and any partners or support system that that person wants to have. When you have that right grouping of people, then you can really take into account all of the different parts of the picture. So the health, what the outlooks are looking like, what people's family planning goals are looking like, and any belief structures around life, the importance of life, when life begins, all of those really important questions. So what that looks like for the person who's facing these choices. What I find really scary is if that decision-making can't happen really at a local level with those people, you can get into sticky situations and potentially really dangerous situations for a lot of people who end up pregnant. So that's the number one thing that I think I've been really scared about. Yeah, it is very scary to, as a woman, to me, it feels like a complete loss of control over your own body. And no one should have to feel that way ever. And your reproductive health care should be no one else's decision. I mean, that's just how I feel. And the things that you discuss with your doctor are doctor-patient privilege or health provider-patient privilege that is a private basic right. And it's scary and we don't want you to feel alone. So I feel like there's a lot of things happening right now politically that are working to help both providers figure this out in states where the trigger laws have gone into effect. And we as providers should be able to practice 
best in class medicine and best in class care. And we shouldn't have to choose based off of potentially losing a medical license for basic human rights and basic care of our patients. And I think that it is really traumatic and scary. Yeah. I know something that's come up, maybe being talked about like today or next week in Pennsylvania is this bill to try to talk about personhood. So this is kind of something else that comes into the picture. Yeah, I'm going to look up the bill name. I think it's 896. SB 956. 956. My number dyslexia coming out strong. Oh my gosh, please. Oh, and for those of you who are listening that don't know, Binto is headquartered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So that's why we're talking about the Pennsylvania bill. Yeah. So this bill in particular is talking about protecting rights for life from conception is how it's worded through, I forget what it says, like through something else. But it gets a little tricky because when you start bringing in that word conception, it starts putting a lot of things on the table and we start getting into a little bit of medical ethics and more of belief discussion, right? Like, well, when does life begin? At what point is life sustainable? And it's very interesting. I mean, again, people have different beliefs on this and different opinions on this, which is totally important, actually, from my perspective completely important in your medical care. But I was talking to one of my sisters about this and I said, those conversations actually are really important because depending on when you believe life begins, that may change. For instance, if you're going through IVF, that may change the way we do your cycle. If you believe life begins when egg and sperm meet, we will be more conservative perhaps in your cycle management to help you reach your family planning goals than for somebody who believes that life begins once a baby is outside of the womb or born. So those are two kind of like opposite ends of the spectrum, for instance, because there's different considerations that you're also weighing during that time, right? The financial consideration, the emotional consideration, the time. There's a lot of things when you're going through IVF, but that should be part of the discussion, right? And should and likely would change your management. I don't know. It's interesting to be told based on legal, constitutional, right? Like, so here it would be a change to Pennsylvania's constitution, like when life begins, because we don't really have those clear cut statements in medicine, which allow us to have more flexibility in helping meet patients where they are. Yes. And as someone who has gone through IVF, who has embryos sitting on ice, I just feel so passionate about this, that the personhood bills would take away every person's ability to have the family that they want. You know, society says women should really be mothers and we're judged if you don't have children, but then you're kind of forcing a pregnancy on someone who maybe wouldn't want it. But then you're saying people who really want it and go through IVF, well, maybe you can't have that anymore. It just doesn't make sense to me in that roundabout way of thinking of it. But the personhood bills are terrifying. And I don't know, I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around the fact that Pennsylvania even has something like this. And for all of the people going through IVF, you know, it brings up the question of, well, what happens to your embryos if you already have them on ice and one of these bills passes? Are you able to move them out of state? Are you able to touch them? Like, what are we able to do? Mm -hmm. And also when you go through IVF, you have to sign a lot of consents about 
If you do have any extra embryos after you're finished your IVF process, what would you like to do with those? So you could continue to pay what they call cryo and storage fees and keep your embryos frozen for you. Or you could decide to donate them to research. You could decide to donate them to a couple who is seeking embryo donation to help build their family. I believe that Pat and I chose to donate our chromosomally abnormal embryos eventually to research. So those embryos can be studied to help move the needle on certain genetic conditions that those embryos may have had, which as someone who loves science, I think it's really important. And so cool. I think too. Nothing has happened yet. So if you are listening to this, you are going through IVF, there is still hope. Nothing's been overturned. The IVF infertility community is huge and we're not going to stop fighting for this. And please be sure to check out Resolve. That is our national infertility community. You can find more information with the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, who is also working tirelessly to follow the guidelines, advocate at the local states and federal levels to figure out what this means for the future of fertility treatments. And there are places like us at Binto who are trying to figure out what can we do. And this is sort of one of the ways that we want to help right now is having open and honest conversations around this and help educate you whatever your beliefs are. Just open up the conversation because there's nothing wrong with that. It's really important to talk and hear different sides of the spectrum and understand what's going on. Yeah, I think all of that is so spot on. And I've had lots of conversations this week, lots with people who share a lot of my same sentiments, some with people who have a different perspective than I do, which is important. It always gets you to keep thinking, gets you to make sure that you're considering all of the options and is important to make sure that really as a collective unit, we're able to find solutions and structures that work for the majority of people, right? I think it's impossible to have a solution that's going to make every single person happy, but When we're looking at a country as diverse and unique as the United States, it is important to figure out what's going to be the most beneficial to the most people. I try to like come back to that point as much as I can and root myself in that place, especially when you think too, from the provider stance of one, doing no harm and two, doing everything you can for patients. That's really at the crux of where I look at everything. But I don't know. It's really heavy stuff. And you can understand how emotional it can be because it's really important stuff too and gets to people's hearts really easily. Absolutely. And I think one of my biggest things in why we started Bento is to help women everywhere. Like we want to meet you where you are in your health goals, whatever they are. Like you might not be using us for reproductive health care. And that's great. Like there are thousands of you that use us who are not trying to conceive or thinking about pregnancy or in this stage of your life that this really matters, but maybe it's impacting a friend or someone else. So you can learn about that. But only 50% of the counties in the US have a single OBGYN. And now with these new laws in the majority of those states where we have a dearth of women's reproductive health care, that's where I get concerned. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen now? It's already bad. It's going to get worse. And 
How is that going to impact us economically, our families? You know, it's going to be really painful to watch if this stuff continues to go down over many years. Hopefully we can stop it and figure out a plan. And that's where things like telehealth really come in and opening up different channels to care. So being able to help you wherever you are. So please don't forget to reach out to us if you are feeling alone. You're not. We're always here for you. Love chatting with you and talking to everybody. We do. And while it is overwhelming, Andy and I are just going to like try all the good energy out Mm -hmm. there and try to move the needle forward. But there is another group that's not reading the room. And that is the American (laughs) Academy of Pediatrics, which whatever. This is such bogus. They just came out with their new guidelines. I don't know, Andy, you go. (laughs) I can't even talk about it. Yeah, I know. We saw this the other day in the office and we'll start with the good. Yes. It was great that they came out supporting getting rid of some barriers in the workplace and also encouraging more support at birth for people who are wanting to breastfeed. I still like always struggle a little bit when these organizations come out making it seem like breastfeeding is the only option because that's kind of how it read to me. I read it a couple of times to make sure I wasn't just coming into it with all of my emotions from the past week, but it did really feel that way. Everybody needs to breastfeed and it's kind of like, well, do they? I thought we were past this. But apparently not. We're not past anything. So it's like, we just covered the formula shortage, which have they not been listening to the news? Some people cannot breastfeed. And then the Senate just silently struck down a bill that would allow more working mothers to pump on the job. So why would they come out and say this when we literally just lost a bill that was fighting for our ability to pump. We have very flexible jobs at the moment. So we're one of the few, but a lot of breastfeeding, chest feeding, lactating people in the United States, A, don't get maternity leave. Oh, no paid maternity leave. (laughs) No paid. No no protected paid. None. None. And then they don't have the breaks to be able to pump Mm because you're probably working shift work, hourly paid work or in a high intense job where you still, whatever it is, you're on back-to-back calls. Maybe you can't break away. Maybe you're a doctor, you can't break away. Whatever it is, it just Insurance coverage so that doesn't cover the pumps that allow exactly. you to do it while it's you're doing other things. Totally um, bogus. But I do think the new Willow pump, because you use the Willow pump, Andy, I do think they are now like have more expanded insurance coverage, which would be- Golly, amazing. I hope so. Because I hope something's so. got to get. But the thing I didn't even mention though is, they said breastfeeding for two years, not one. I know. Two. And most women, I feel like, don't even make it past like two to six weeks. And like now you're going to say two years? There's a few <laughs> things. One, it was also really interesting that AAP was coming out on this because it's not really because of a benefit for the child, which also I'm kind of like, okay, so why are you even chiming in? Like, why don't you just keep your mouth closed? Because they're the only ones that talk about breastfeeding. OBGYNs are not taught anything about breastfeeding. I know. Which is a whole other problem. That's like ridiculous. So then you go to your pediatrician who 
terrifies you the first appointment because your milk hasn't come in. So then it's like, oh, you must supplement. You must supplement. But God forbid you give them formula and you have to breastfeed for two years. Who do you think you are? And then it's like circumcision. So like if you decide that you want to have circumcision of your child, why is it the OB that's doing it? They're not a pediatrician, but pediatricians won't touch it. Like that is so bizarre to me. If you want to get it into like what doctor is covering what category, it literally makes no sense. Agree. Why are these lanes like this? I don't know. I don't want to be on that freeway, to be honest. Sounds dangerous. It does. But I think obstetricians should 100% be certified in breastfeeding. Like they should have a whole course on this as part Mm -hmm. of their residency. Doesn't make sense to me why pediatricians are the only doctors. I mean, we do have lactation consultants. This is the thing, Susie. You want to know what the real problem is? Soapbox, ready? Yeah. Because all of medicine is only structured to get us to the point of birth and sustenance of life. Bye-bye. We don't well, really, like once <laughs> the small human is out, we care about the small human, but we don't care so much about the mother, which also gets back to the other thing that we kind of forgot about because there's so much been going on. The fact that the White House actually came out with the whole big document that I haven't yes. had time to get through. Oh yeah, I sent that to you. But yes. they came out with their maternal health report. Exactly, because our maternal health rates are garbage here. Yes. We can so, save that for another I one. I know, we should really cover that because... It's important, very, yes. very important. Postpartum care is not reimbursed by insurance. So that's the world we live in. Thank you, United States. No one really cares about you postpartum because they're not going to make any money off of it. And they're already the lowest paid surgical position in the US, which is why they live on the coast. And that's why we have a dearth of providers in the middle of the US and some Southern states. But anyway, hopefully you followed along for that conversation. And case in point, I think there are just a lot of problems. And just remember, if you have someone in your life who is a new mom, Fed is best. Encourage that person. Let them know that they are doing a fabulous job with their child, no matter how they are feeding them. Don't bring up these guidelines. It's not really beneficial. They probably already know them. And try to lend support any way that you can, whether it's bringing meals, giving them a pump that you have that might be better. I mean, there are just like so many little things that you can do to help the women in your community or men the parents, new parents, yeah. Anything to help let them sleep, feed them. I feel oh. like those are like the two primary things or like help them get a shower. Like when I was yes. the first time parent, that was like my three biggest things. How do I sleep? How do I bathe my body? And how do I make myself food? <laughs> so true. And I feel like the first few weeks are great with everyone dropping off food, but then it dies down. And I'm like, yeah. man, last night, Pat and I didn't eat till like eight something. My husband commutes to Delaware for work, which is in a whole different state. And I could have really used some help. We have no food in our house. So he fortunately stopped on his way home and picked up some honey grow bowls for us. Cause I was like, you're going to have to get food for us because we literally have nothing. But it's not easy. So just remember to take care of the people around you who might need it. Ask for help. It's okay. All right. Maybe we should move on to the things that we're loving this week. Yeah. It'll be good to end on something that we're loving. Yes. That will be nice. 
What am uh, I loving right now? I don't know. What am I loving? Can it be a person for me? Oh, yeah. Okay. I love that. So what I'm loving right now, I have to do a shout out to Ben, mostly because of last night because he really <laughs> saved me because I was like, I don't know. Anybody out there who's had a kid or taken care of a kid for a night probably understands the sentiment. Sometimes they're like, you have to get this kid away from me. That's where I was last night. I was like, I can't not sleep. My body just needs sleep. So big shout out to what I'm loving, my husband, for just being a super rock star for helping me last night and just like helping pick up little things around the house recently because it's been chaotic. I feel like these past few weeks have been chaotic. That's awesome. It's It's very important to have a supportive partner in your life. If you're a parent, it's not easy. And that makes me so happy. We love you, Ben. Good job. We do love you, Ben. Thanks for letting me have a third. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe a fourth. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Maybe not in this world right now. I think the shop is definitely closed right now. That's good. I don't know if mine is. So hopefully we'll be able to put those embryos to good use and... Who knows? I'm excited and also like totally terrified to to go through that whole fertility process again. But we'll have to do that in a different episode. I think it would be really interesting for like the second time people going through IVF for additional kids. I'm still on my hair journey. Oh. For those of you who've been following on Bento Baby. And I actually had more hair shedding than I thought. So I don't know, Andy, if you can see. Oh, yeah, yeah. My hairline is going up a little bit in the corners. I just ordered this new shampoo called Xenogen and I've been using it and I'm definitely loving it. My hair a lot, like my hair shedding, it definitely has like kind of stopped. And I think the inositol plus that work, plus I'm doing this like scalp oil thing. So I am very much loving that. And I am loving Team Binto for getting us through this insane week. And I am looking forward to... July and getting away for a few days for the first time. I'm going to be traveling with an infant for a five-hour car ride. So please, you know, like write in your tips. You've got to get an email set up for this podcast. We should. That's what I'm loving. Figured I'd end on a light product note for any of you looking for something new. I've been loving following your hair journey. Thank you. It's been exciting for me. I love products, obviously. We make them for everything, yeah. but I am obsessed with products. So if you have any products that you want to send our wife, please share and we'll try them and let you know how they're going. Products are king. They are. All right, everyone. <laughs> that is it for this episode of Up Your Glow. We hope you learned something new. Thank you for joining us and listening in to some of these hard to grasp and hard to talk about topics. And we can't wait to break down another topic next week. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. And please, please, please leave us a review, share with your friends and have an awesome weekend. See you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Up Your Glow podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.